Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 97th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. This podcast is the second in a three-part series. Think of this as your virtual retreat. My intention is to help you start the new year strong. The last episode was on what are you tolerating? The purpose of that episode was to help you become more aware of all the daily irritations and messes that you have tolerated in your physical space, the home, office, yard, car, and in your relationships, be that a spouse, a dad, friends, colleagues, or extended family, but especially your relationship with your teen. In other words, last week's episode was what you don't want to bring into the new year. When you clean up and take care of your messes and irritations and decrease what you're tolerating, you actually are freeing up your attention from what you don't want to what you really want. When I ask you the question, what do you want? How would you respond to that? Would you say, I just want everyone to get along. I just want to be relaxing on a tropical beach. I just want 2021 to be here. Oops, it's already here. Or I just want things to go back to normal and be over this COVID thing. I want my daughter to stop being so dramatic. If some of these responses are how you would answer that question, what do you want? Do you really believe that's going to happen? Does that make you feel more hopeful or optimistic? My guess is probably not because you don't really think it's going to happen. It's kind of like a wimpy wish that has no credibility. And it seems like it's completely out of your hands or in your control. So of course you want it, but you're waiting for someone else to make it happen. Like someone else is going to rescue you out of this dreary situation. Or when I ask you, what do you want? Do your eyes glaze over and your mind goes blank because you have no idea what you want? You're spending so much of your time taking care of your household and attending to everyone else's needs that you can't remember your own preferences. And it actually feels a little selfish to check into what you want because you're taking care of everyone else's needs. This is especially true for those of you who are also in some version of healthcare besides being a mom. You care for others, but it's super hard to even access what you want. And so you say, I have no idea. For those of you who have a hard time knowing what you want, here's an easy way to start. Go back to last week's episode and look at your list of things that irritate you or drain you. What do you tend to complain about to your partners or friends? Who are you jealous over and why? What are your resentments and why? If you're jealous because your neighbor's yard is blossoming with flowers and you have these bare bushes in your front yard that you don't even like, it tells you something. You want to change your front yard. You want to add some color. 
If you're resentful because your husband goes to dinner with his friends, that's telling you something. You want to be going out with your friends. If you resent your teens because you are doing all the work in the house and you never get to sit down, what you want is to be able to sit down and have everyone else chip in with the housework. Part of the reason you are irritated, frustrated, bitter, resentful is because you have given up on having what you want. And so that brings out a plethora of negative emotions. Because if you believed you could have what you want, you would not be negative or resentful. So what if you could have what you want? Now, if you say, that's so unrealistic, I have to work and take care of the house, etc. Okay, think of this. I'm not talking all or nothing here. No one is going to be living a life of complete bliss and having everything you want. But the opposite is also true. It's just as ridiculous to think that you can't have anything that you want. The goal here is to dial down what you don't want and to start dialing up more of what you do want. So what gets in the way of having what you want? As moms, we're socialized to put our family first and our needs are to be last on the list. And if we did go after something we wanted, then that actually felt really selfish. I call these powerless parenting messages because they actually disempower us and disempower our parenting. But these messages are alive and well in our culture and in many cultures around the world. The problem is, if all you do is attend to the needs of others and never do anything for you, it's not physically or emotionally healthy. If you never get what you want, you will be sad and resentful. That is a normal response to a powerless parenting message because the message doesn't work. If you only take care of your family, you get exhausted and depleted. You lose all your I-feel-good energy when you're so exhausted. That negativity rides in, and it's hard to harness these unruly thoughts. They just won't lay down. Resentment won't lay down. Frustration won't lay down. Criticism won't lay down. Worry won't lay down. They just fill our heads with these thoughts that just keep bugging us. And here's the biggest reason this doesn't work. You are modeling to your daughter and son what adulthood looks like. You want to make adulthood look attractive, or why would they ever want to grow up? You are the model you want your teen to aspire to be. But if you live a life where you don't have what you want in any area of your life, you will be cynical and critical. And I know that's not what you want to model for your teens. You don't want them to aspire to be cynical and critical. And when we wind back the clock and examine some of our childhood programming, we can see how we were shaped to believe that we can't get what we want. Inside of every one of us is that tiny seed of the, quote, you that you were meant to become. Unfortunately, you may have buried the seed in response to your mom or your dad, teachers or coaches, and other adult role models as you were growing up. You started out as a baby knowing exactly what you wanted. You knew when you were hungry and you spit out the foods you didn't like and avidly devoured the ones you did. You had no trouble expressing your needs and wants. You simply cried loudly with no inhibitions or holding back. 
until you got what you wanted. You had everything inside of you that you needed to get fed, changed, and held. As you got older, you crawled around and moved toward whatever held the most interest for you. You were clear about what you wanted, and you headed straight toward it with no fear. So what happened? Well, somewhere along the way, someone said, Don't touch that. Keep your hands to yourself. Eat everything on your plate, whether you like it or not. You don't really feel that way. You don't really want that. You should be ashamed of yourself. Stop crying. Don't be such a baby. Stop being so sensitive. And then later, as you got older, you heard, You can't have everything you want simply because you want it. Money doesn't grow on trees. Stop being so selfish. Stop doing what you're doing and come do what I want you to do. After many of these kinds of sanctions, most of us eventually lost touch with the needs of our bodies and the desires of our hearts and somehow got stuck trying to figure out what other people wanted us to do. This is especially true for girls when they enter puberty. They stop saying what they want. One study of young girls saw that nine-year-old girls had no problem saying, I want a cheese pizza. But by the time they started entering puberty, they wouldn't say, I want a cheese pizza. They would say, well, what would you want? So we learned how to act and how to be to get approval. As a result, we now do a lot of things we don't want to do, but that please a lot of other people. I talked to one girl after she graduated with an MBA in accounting, and she told me how much she hated accounting, but she did it because her dad wanted her to. We get married to please our parents. We get a real job instead of pursuing our dream career in the arts. We go straight into graduate school instead of taking a year off and backpacking through Europe. In the name of being sensible, we end up becoming numb to our own desires. It's no wonder that when we ask our teenagers what they want to be, they honestly answer, I don't know. There are too many layers of shoulds and ought tos and you betters piled on top of and suffocating what they really want. So how do you reclaim yourself and your true desires? How do you get back to what you really want with no fear, shame, or inhibition? How do you connect with your real passion? Will you start on the smallest level by honoring your preferences in every situation, no matter how large or small? Don't think of them as petty. They might be inconsequential to someone else, but they are not to you. The goal here is to stop settling for less than what you want. If you're going to reclaim your power and get what you really want out of life, You will have to stop saying, I don't know, I don't care, or it doesn't matter to me. When you are confronted with a choice, no matter how small or insignificant, act as if you have a preference. Ask yourself, if I did know, what would it be? If I did care, which would I prefer? If it did matter, what would I rather do? Not being clear about what you want and making other people's needs and desires more important than your own is is simply a habit. You can break it by practicing the opposite habit. Here's an exercise that can help. One of the easiest ways to stop settling and reclaim your lifelong dreams and begin clarifying what you truly want is to make a list of 30 things that you want to do 
30 things that you want to have and 30 things you want to be before you die. This is a great way to get started. So it's 30 things you want to do, 30 things you want to have, and 30 things you want to be before you die. Some people call this a be-do-have list. So you can take 30 minutes, have fun. Don't worry about being realistic or not. And it doesn't have to be huge. It could be as simple as, I'd like to have socks that match and underwear that won't ride up my... So what's so important right here is that you start to tap into your preferences and enjoy that. If one of the things you want to do is go to the south of France, enjoy that idea, the picture of that before you shoot it down with like, we have no money. Don't get caught up in how you can make it work yet. Just write down your preferences. Now that you're thinking about what you want and what your preferences are, we're going to explore vision. One thing you may not know about me is that I'm a certified Canfield trainer, and a lot of the information that I'm going to use in this podcast comes from Jack Canfield and his success principles. Okay, the question is how to get from where you are to where you want to be. To accomplish this, you have to know two things, where you are and where you want to get. So this is why we spent the last episode looking at where you are and what you are tolerating and what you want to change. Your vision is a detailed description of where you want to be. It describes in detail what your destination looks like and feels like. To create a balanced and successful life, your vision needs to include the following seven areas. Work and career, finances, recreation, free time, health and fitness, relationships, personal goals, and contribution to the larger community. At this stage in the journey, it is not necessary to know exactly how you're going to get there. All that is important is that you figure out where there is. If you get clear on the what, the how will show up. The process of getting from where you are to where you want to be is like using the GPS, the global positioning system, technology in your car or smartphone. For the system to work, it simply needs to know where you are and where you want to go. The navigation system figures out where you are by the use of an onboard computer that receives signals from three satellites and calculates your exact position. When you type in your destination, the navigational system plots a perfect course for you. All you have to do is follow the instructions. Success in life works the same way. All you have to do is decide where you want to go by clarifying your vision, lock in the destination through goal setting, affirmations and visualizations, and then start moving in the right direction. Your inner GPS will keep unfolding your route as you continue to move forward. In other words, once you clarify and stay focused on your vision, the exact steps will keep appearing along the way. Once you are clear about what you want and keep your mind constantly focused on it, the how will keep showing up, sometimes just when you need it and not a moment earlier. We're going to end this podcast with a vision exercise. So why a vision exercise? 
When you visualize your goals as already complete each and every day, it creates a conflict, a structural tension in your subconscious mind between what you are visualizing and what you currently have. Your subconscious mind works to resolve that conflict by turning your current reality into the new, more exciting vision. This conflict, when intensified over time through constant visualization, actually causes three things to happen. One, it programs your brain's RAS, which stands for Reticular Activating System, to start letting into your awareness anything that will help you achieve your goals. Two, it activates your subconscious mind to create solutions for getting the goals you want. You'll start waking up in the morning with new ideas. You'll find yourself having ideas in the shower, while you're taking long walks, while you're driving to work. Three, it creates new levels of motivation. You'll start to notice you're unexpectedly doing things that take you to your goal. All of a sudden, you're raising your hand in class, volunteering to take on a new assignment at work, speaking out at staff meetings, asking more directly for what you want, saving money for the things that you want paying down a credit card debt, or taking more risks in your relationships. Let's take a closer look at how the RAS works. At any one time, there are about 11 million bits of information streaming into your brain, most of which you cannot attend to, nor do you need to. So your brain's RAS filters most of them out, letting into your awareness only those signals that can help you survive and achieve your most important goals. So how does your RAS know what to let into your awareness and what to filter out? It lets in anything that will help you achieve the goals you've set and are constantly visualizing and affirming. It also lets in anything that matches your beliefs and images about yourself, others, in the world. The RAS is a powerful tool, but it can only look for ways to achieve the exact pictures you give it. Your creative subconscious doesn't think in words, it thinks in pictures. So how does all this help your effort to become successful and achieve the life of your dreams? When you give your brain specific, colorful, and vividly compelling pictures to manifest, it will seek out and capture all the information necessary to bring that picture into reality for you. If you give your mind a $10,000 problem, it will come up with a $10,000 solution. If you give your mind a $1 million problem, it will come up with a $1 million solution. If you give it pictures of a beautiful home, an adoring spouse, an exciting career, a great relationship with your teen, or exotic vacations, it will go to work on achieving those. By contrast, if you are constantly feeding it negative, fearful, and anxious pictures, guess what? It will work to achieve those too. I want to encourage you not to limit your vision in any way. Let it be as big as it is. Dave Leninger the CEO of RE Max, the country's largest franchise real estate company, once said, Always dream big dreams. Big dreams attract big people. General Wesley Clark, the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO forces in Europe, said, It doesn't take any more energy to create a big dream than it does to create a little one. My experience is that one of the few differences between the superachievers and the rest of the world is that the superachievers simply dream bigger. 
John F. Kennedy dreamed of putting a man on the moon. Martin Luther King dreamed of a country free of prejudice and injustice. Bill Gates dreams of a world in which every home is a computer that is connected to the Internet. Buckminster Fuller dreamed of a world where everybody had access to electrical power. These high achievers see the world from a whole different perspective. As a place where amazing things can happen, where billions of lives can be improved, where new technology can change the way we live, and where the world's resources can be leveraged for the greatest possible mutual gain. They believe anything is possible, and they believe they have an integral part of creating it. Robert Fritz once said, If you limit your choices only to what seems possible or reasonable, you disconnect yourself from what you truly want, and all that is left is a compromise. Now that's something to think about. There are people who will try to talk you out of your vision. They will tell you that you're crazy and that it can't be done. There's a story about Monty Roberts, the author of The Man Who Listens to Horses, which spent 58 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, calls these people dream stealers and don't listen to them. When Monty was in high school, his teacher gave the class an assignment to write about what they wanted to do when they grew up. Monty wrote that he wanted to own his own 200-acre ranch and raise thoroughbred racehorses. His teacher gave him an F and explained that that grade reflected that he deemed his dream unrealistic. No boy who was living in a camper on the back of a pickup truck would ever be able to amass enough money to buy a ranch, purchase breeding stock, and pay the necessary salaries for ranch hands. When he offered Monty the chance of rewriting his paper for a higher grade, Monty told him, You keep the F. I'm keeping my dream. Today, Monty's 154-acre flag-is-up farms in Solvang, California, raises thoroughbred racehorses and trains hundreds of horse trainers in a more humane way to join up with and train horses. His work has produced eight national champions in the show rings of the world and more than 300 international stake winners in thoroughbred racing. Okay, so now that we have talked about the why of vision, we are going to do a vision exercise. This is a very powerful tool to help you paint a picture of what a balanced and successful life looks like. Nothing is too big or too small. Now that we understand why we have to visualize so clearly our future wants and desires, I'm going to ask you to start planning what you want to do what you want to be, and what you want to have. We're going to look at seven categories of your life and decide what you want to create or experience in each of these categories. And I'll explain what the categories are in a moment. In doing this exercise, I want you to think about what you want in terms of the next 12 months as the time frame you're working with. If we were sitting here a year from now, what would you like to have happened in these categories? I'm going to suggest you come up with three things for each category. So take out a blank page in your notepad and label the top of the page, what I want. I'll give you about 20 minutes to write down what you would like to achieve in the next year in each category of your life. Try to write down at least three things in each category and hopefully a lot more than three. 
If you want, you can close your eyes and ask your subconscious mind to give you images of what your ideal life would look like if you could have it exactly the way you want it. Then jot down those images for each of the following categories. Okay, I'll say that again. What I would like you to do is close your eyes and listen to my prompts in each category. Then pause the podcast, write down three things or more that come to mind. Um, Sometimes it just comes as an image and you can write that down. And after you've done that, then continue with the podcast and pause it after the second area. Close your eyes, listen to my prompts, write down what came to mind or any images and do that for each area. So make sure you have your pen and paper and some privacy. You may want to play some meditative or soothing music or light a candle. In other words, make this really, really cozy. Okay, so if you are not driving in a car and you are in a place where you can close your eyes, I'd like you to do that. So first, focus on the financial area of your life. What is your ideal annual income and monthly cash flow? How much money do you have in savings and investments? What is your total net worth? What does your home look like? Where is it located? Does it have a view? What kind of yard and landscaping does it have? Is there a pool? What does the furniture look like? Are there paintings hanging in the rooms? Walk through your perfect house, filling in all of the details. And at this point, don't worry about how you'll get that house. And don't sabotage yourself by saying, I can't ever live there because it's too expensive. Once you give your mind's eye the picture, your mind will solve the not enough money challenge. Next, visualize what kind of car you'd be driving and and any other important possessions your finances have provided. Okay, pause the podcast and write down everything that came to mind. Two, next, visualize your ideal job for your career and for your mom career. Where are you working? What are you doing? With whom are you working? What kind of clients or customers do you have? What is your compensation like? Is it your own business? What is your ideal life as a mom? What are you doing? And what are you not doing? What comes to mind? Okay, Pause the podcast and write down what came to mind. Okay, three, focus on your free time, your recreation time. Close your eyes. What are you doing with your family and friends in the free time you've created for yourself? What hobbies are you pursuing? What kind of vacations do you take? What do you do for fun? 
Okay, pause the podcast and write down what came to mind. Okay, next. What is your ideal vision of your body and your physical health? Okay, close your eyes. Are you free of all disease? Are you pain-free? How long do you live to? Are you open, relaxed, in an ecstatic state of bliss all day long? Are you full of I-feel-good energy? Are you flexible as well as strong? Do you exercise, eat good food, and drink lots of water? How much do you weigh? Okay, pause the podcast and write down what came to mind. Okay. Five, we're going to move on to your ideal vision of your relationships with your family, your teen, and friends. Close your eyes. What is your relationship with your spouse and family like? What's your relationship with your teen like? Who are your friends? What do those friendships feel like? Are those relationships loving, supportive, empowering? What kind of things do you do together? Okay, so pause the podcast. Write what came to mind. Six, what about the personal arena of your life? Do you see yourself going back to school, getting training, attending personal growth workshops, seeking therapy for a past hurt, growing spiritually? Do you do yoga, meditate? Do you go on spiritual retreats with your church? Do you want to learn to play an instrument or write your autobiography? Do you want to run a marathon or take an art class? Do you want to travel to other countries? Okay, pause the podcast and write down what came to mind. Okay, the final area is focus on the community you've chosen to live in. What does it look like when it is operating perfectly? Again, close your eyes. What kinds of community activities take place there? What about your charitable or volunteer work that you do? What do you do to help others and make a difference? How often do you participate in these activities? Who are you helping?
Okay. Pause the podcast and write down what came to mind. If you're still listening to this podcast, congratulations for doing this. I am really, really proud of you. And now that you have finished writing in these seven areas, think about inviting a friend to listen to this podcast and have them write down their vision in these seven areas. Because it's really, really powerful and energizing to share your vision with a trusted friend. Okay, so we're going to keep building on this next week. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.